Welcome back to Gardening Talkback on 2 and your RNF family's back with us, Scott Sharp. Great to see you back in the studio. Good afternoon. Yes, it's, it really is great to be back. It's been, I think it's simply been a fair while between drinks in between us. Oh, it could be four, four weeks or so. Possibly. Yeah, the old tonsils are a bit rusty, but I'm, I'm sure I'll get there in the end. For a couple of sips of water, you'll be fine. Okay. This is Scott, what have you got for us today? I thought we'd talk about uh, birdscaping your gardens. Uh, Cape chestnuts are a beautiful tree out at the moment. We'll talk about them. Chinese star jasmine, and we'll have a quick mention about the Bonsai Society annual show on next weekend. And we've got Keith from Cessnock, and he's been planting cucumber plants, but they seem to be failing after a couple of days. Well, it doesn't sound like a good state of affairs, Keith. How can we help you, mate? Um... I've, um, every year I've planted them in different places, but I've been getting good crops. But this time I've been planting them in a, um, in a different spot. And every time I put them in, they're really good plants. And then a couple of days later, they're just over they're gone and wilted and that, and they just died. Yeah, okay. Look, cucumbers can actually be a, a touchy little plant, especially when they're a seedling. seedling. They've only got a really, uh, you know, really thin stem on them, and it's very, mm. you know, sort of vascular and mushy anyway. Mm. And the root system is very easily disturbed. Uh, so, look, that, that can be the problem. It can't just be that you're transplanting. You might be a little bit, you know, rough with them and, uh, you know, you can be harming them. The other thing when I was talking about that thin stem is if the soil's getting really, really wet around them, and often people do overwater their, you know, their seedlings, uh, yeah. down around that base where it intersects with the soil, they can get a fungal disease down there yeah. and actually just rot it away and then the seedling just dies off overnight or just yeah. sort of falls over. Uh, so, look, the only answer to that is to use some sort of fungicide uh, in the soil, like copper oxychloride. You can actually pre-water that into the soil if you want to before you plant mm. the seedlings. Mm. And uh, then just make sure your watering is, uh, you know, just, I was going to say very petite in a way. You know, you just have to be very careful about your watering, uh, not mm. just pouring it all over the plant, uh, but around it, just so it's soaking mm. down into the soil, but not necessarily mm. in around the stem. So you just have to be a bit careful about your watering and be a uh, bit gentle when you're transplanting them. Yeah, I just bought some more, and um, I just wanted to find out what to do before I plant them again, because this is about the uh, third or fourth lot of the uh, okay. plant. And I think there's only about one, two, three left out of the whole lot, so... <laughs> And, and the, seedling, well. the seedlings you've got, are they in the individual cells or are they in a, a big sort of block that you have to break apart? Um, they're in a, in a block. Yeah. Yeah, and you can... Um, I've got them from the immersion. You, you break them apart mm-hmm. and then I just, just plant them. At the moment, I've got... Um, they're real healthy. And what I did, I've got some um, ice cream containers and I put them over so just in case of wind so it don't break. Oh, yeah, yeah, creating a little barrier around there. Yeah, Look, yeah. Uh, Keith, the other thing to do with cucumbers is they're actually very easy to grow from seed. So, yeah, no. yeah, so it might be easier, you know, to go and do that rather than, you know, breaking those block seedling, uh, you know, apart and damage them. If you've planted them directly from seed, then, uh, you know, you're not going to have too much trouble uh, then as they sprout up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, and another thing, well, a while back I planted some uh, carrots and they're going really well. Yes, and uh, I've picked a couple, but at the moment they got there's uh, oh, heaps of um, little lady beetles. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and, and and every time I plant spinach, exactly the same. As soon as I plant the spinach and it starts coming up, um, lady beetles come. 
Yeah, okay. So, I mean, they're, they're, they're small and cute and, um, you know, nice things to have around the garden. But the reason that they're there is because there's usually stuff on the carrot or the silver beet or the spinach, mm-hmm. uh, like a white fly sure, or yeah. a thrip of, of mm-hmm. some sort. And they're actually there feeding on those. So they're, they're hungry, carnivorous little buggers, the lady beetles, and they, mm-hmm. they love to come and have uh, something to eat. And that's what they're doing. So they're actually cleaning up and helping. Uh, get rid of those pests for you. So that's why you're seeing them around those two particular plants. Oh, okay. Right. Okay, so it's actually it's a good thing, mate. That's a very good yeah. thing. Okay. Thanks very much for that. that not, a wor- not a worry, Keith. Have a nice Thanks, afternoon, Scott. mate. Thanks, Scott. Cheers. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, yeah, that's what ladybugs are. Um, oh, I remember there was a time, I don't know if you can still do it, uh, we could actually uh, buy them. They'd come along in a packet. You'd buy ladybugs. <laughs> yes, <Yeah, so>. buy <laughs> ladybugs. They'd come along in a packet. And you'd release them out and they'd kill the thrips and things in, in your garden. Oh, right. Yeah. And you can't get them in packets anymore? Yeah, you, we'll, we'll look it up and check it out. I'm sure. Yeah, we'll do maybe somewhere. Yeah. Maybe in Bolivia or something. And we've got Mary from Lemon Tree Passage and she wants the recipe for fruit fly paste. Hello, Mary. You've come to the right place because Greg and I are expert cooks and we'll be able to uh, whip, whip something up for you straight away. I missed the beginning of a program about three weeks ago and... They were talking about Vegemite and something and mix it into a paste and paint it onto the steaks to get rid of fruit flies. Yeah, so old Jude was probably talking about that. Uh, so, yeah, yes. f- fruit flies, are, you know, it is a really nasty little pest and it uh, gets into stone fruit, gets into, you know, citrus, gets into tomatoes and makes, you know, does a lot of damage, can wreck up your entire crop. Uh, the way to get rid of it, though, is you have to do a whole lot of different things. You can spray generally... And then like Jude was talking about, uh, you can actually make up this paste uh, that we're going to give you the recipe for very soon. And you put it into a container or you can paint it on the steak of the tomato as well. The other thing I recommend Mm -hmm. doing is getting like a plastic uh, takeaway container uh, and putting the paste in that, punching a few holes in there and hanging it from the tree. And then the fruit fly get in there, have a bit of a, you know, gobble up of the food in there and it uh, brings them down and uh, keeps them under control. So to make right. to make the paste, this is what you really want to find out about. Uh, you do need to get some Vegemite, uh, Australia's own, and you need to get a chemical, uh, some sort of insecticide. I usually recommend Malathon. And mm-hmm. then you just start mixing that Malathon, put some gloves on and all that sort of stuff, uh, into the uh, scoop out some Vegemite and mix it up into the Vegemite. Just make it into a, you know, a fairly moist sort of paste. You don't want it to be dry. You don't want it to be, you know too wet that it's just going to leak out the bottom of the containers and uh, put that in there the Vegemite actually attracts the smell the smell of the Vegemite for some reason attracts the fruit fly into those little traps and uh, it kills them pretty quick smart and um, people often ring up and say how good an idea it is and I'm not going to take credit for it (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so look it is just one of those things a bit of trial and error it's a bit like me making a uh, chocolate cake or uh, you know, a fruit flan or something like that. You just, you know, just mix it in there. Um, and that's only two ingredients as well. When I get to three ingredients, that's when I really fail. That's when you tr- <laughs> get sugar to the equation. Yeah, that's, that's not good flour and milk. Ooh, that's too much. Uh, so, yeah, look, just mix it up and go and get one of those Chinese, uh, you know, takeaway container sort of things and uh, hang it up in the tree. You know, you can put a few of them around as well if you want to. Or like Jude suggested, paint the uh, paint the stem of the, of the, uh, the steak. Um, Next to... That's great. Yeah, okay. Thank you very much. That's all right. Long-winded answer, but that's that's the uh, that's the result in the end. <laughs> thanks, Scott. Okay, thanks, Mary. Have a nice afternoon. 
Cheers. We've got Rod from Spears Point, and he wants to know if he went to prune bamboo. Hello, Rod. Uh, what sort of bamboo have you got? The running stuff or the, the clumping stuff? The clumping stuff, like yeah. the non-invasive type. I've got three or four different um, things, uh, types along the back fence, of course, like making a screen from the neighbours. Yeah, and look, it does make an excellent screen. You just have to make sure you don't get one that... Uh, you know, it gets so tall. Um, but there are quite a you know, number of varieties that stay nice and compact for you. Um, yeah. How tall are yours getting, mate? It's about uh, probably three metres, okay. three and a half metres. Yeah, so yeah. you can prune them. You don't have to be too careful about it. It's really just like doing a hedge. Yeah. Uh, or you can actually thin them out right down to the ground as well if you want to. Yeah, that's what I wanted to know whether you just, uh, when you prune them, do you just take the top off or can you, do you have to take it down to the the base yeah no, you, you can take the top off and it sort of it just spreads out a little bit from there it gets a little bit more bushy so it does work quite well uh, yeah. the other way to keep them under control as well you know when you see the spears or the culms starting to come out of the ground yeah. looking a bit like some uh, asparagus coming out of the ground yeah they're really really soft at that point in time yeah. and you just get your boot and you just step on them and you break okay. them off and uh, even if you don't break them off you just sort of bend them over sometimes yeah. and that stops them growing so you can actually keep your bamboo clump to a certain size uh, okay. once you know once you've got it there you just see when you see those new combs coming out around the clump you just give yep. them a stomp on them and that uh, slows them up but otherwise mate uh, yeah just uh, give them a prune back you can be pretty uh, brutal uh, any time can, of the year or you can do it any time of the year uh, with okay. bamboo you can even do it in the middle of winter if you want to uh, of yeah, course yeah. it won't grow back to you know too quick from yeah. there but certainly you can yeah, do it now it's starting to get a bit out like it's starting to get ratty and that so I might take it up a bit, that's all. Yeah, no, and, and they will look a bit ratty. Uh, they're sort of starting to green up a little bit now. Some rain will certainly, uh, you know, make a difference to them. Um, yeah. yeah, but look, yeah, very good plant, very good screening plant. Uh, as yeah, long as you've no, got the clumping yeah. one, easy to control and look after. Yep. Yep, not a problem. Thanks, Scott. Okay, good on you, Rod. Have a nice afternoon. You too, mate. Nice Bye. Bye. It's Gardening Talk back on 2 are FM, and we've got Susan from Adamstown, and she would like to know how to identify borers. Hello, Susan. What have you got the borers in? What plants are they attacking? Well, that's a question. Um, this is a property up in the north New England. Yes. Inland, though. And um, we went up there in August, early August, and the tree was covered, it's a nectarine tree, and it was covered in ladybird larvae. I didn't know what they were, so I took photographs, and, and then I saw the ladybirds hatching. It was absolutely covered in them. Anyway, when we came back, and then we went back up again in October, early October, and half the tree was dead, um, and it had all this sappy stuff oozing out of it in the living part still. So we cut it all away, um, removed the sappy stuff, and there's no holes. You can't see any visual evidence of warrors. But I've been told, because... The clay, it's a very, very heavy clay. So we built up the ground and planted the trees in tyres within the surroundings of the tyre. And um, the, the trees have taken off. I'm, you know, I've got apples, I've got an apricot, I've got lots of different fruit trees. And um, anyway, we removed the tyres and found that, especially with the apple tree, all within the tyre, there was lots of matted, tiny, weeny little roots, really matted. But the root, the apple tree was fine. It wasn't stressed. My apricot tree had 
um, a weeny little bit of sap on one branch, which we cut away. So is that borers or is that just a tree under stress or whatever? Yeah, look, it is the tree under stress. And, and, you know, my ears sort of pricked up when you said you're up there in the New England district because it's obviously very dry up there and the plants are going to be, yeah, stressed and struggling. Well, Uh, they get get watered. I've got a water source to them. Oh, good, Um, yeah. Time, time. So they get watered. I think at that stage you had them about every three days for half an hour. Yep. So, what I'm saying, when the plants get stressed, uh, there's actually a, a canker that nectarines and other stone fruit uh, can get. So, if the plant's stressed and the bark is starting to crack, uh, you can actually get a, you know some fungus or bacteria going into the tree, invading the tree, and causing that uh, sap to ooze out. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's we call it a canker, I guess. That's that's the best way to call it, best thing to call it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it is a fungal disease with a plant, and it comes about because the plant is stressed, uh, and it, you know these things just go and attack when you've got a stressed plant. So look, unfortunately, the only real way to do that is to try and prune that that uh, canker out as best as you can, mm-hmm. and then just try and you know make sure that the plant's really well watered. Uh, you can also use a fungicide as well, like copper oxychloride, and spray that mm-hmm. all over the branches of the plant and uh, you know down the trunk. Uh, just yeah, copper oxychloride. That is, it's a it's a blue colour. Um, yeah. That's why I think you know that's that's why you think about copper as well when it oxidises. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'd be spraying the plant with that and just make sure it's well watered, uh, mulched as well. Uh, mm-hmm. And look, that's really about the best you can do uh, when you've got a plant in a stressful situation like that. Okay. Now the fact that I had it growing in a tire could that have caused stress? Uh, when, well, when, you, <laughs> when you say, but the tire was open into the ground underneath, wasn't it? No, raised above the ground. So basically we broke up the ground as best we could. As I said, it's a really rock-hard clay. We're yes. not that far, only 80 k's to the west of Moree. Yeah. Okay, so it's really rock-hard clay. And we broke it up as best we could, and then we just mixed up really good soil and compost and, and all that stuff and put the, put the um, tyre down and then put the compost and stuff into the tire and planted the tree within that. And as I said, this particular nectarine, it went from like three feet tall to seven or eight feet tall in a beautiful fan shape. It just took off in mm. two years. Yes, yeah. And um, then, like I said, like I haven't seen it now again for a month. So um, I'm hoping when I go back up there near Christmas that I've still got viable trees, you know. But the apple was the only tree, Pink Lady, and I've had a beautiful big apple off her. She's been lovely to me. Um, it was the only one that had the matted roots within the tyre. You know how it tyres? Yeah, so it's, it's gone inside like the tube, of, 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 like inside the yeah, round like part of the tyre. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, look, the, only, the only thing I'd say about that is that is that the water then would be draining out very quickly, you know, around and out at the base of the tyre uh, yeah. until the plant became more established. Uh, look, it's, it's not a bad idea, um, but probably not necessary to raise a plant like that up, that up out of the soil. You might do it uh, if you had citrus plants for interest, where, uh, uh, mm-hmm. where they don't like having very wet feet. Um, and, and like you've described, clay soil up there, and most plants yeah. don't like clay soil anyway. They find that very difficult to get down into and grow. Yeah. Uh, but look, if that's where the plant is and it's you know seems to be doing okay, um, I'll just leave it there now. You know, you're going to disturb it more by, no, by moving the time. Really. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So the other thing is, like, we get really deadly frosts 
absolute deadly frosts and then stinking hot summers in the 40s. Yes. They have to deal with a hell of a lot of climate change, so to speak, Um, and they're dealing with that. So, And we've cut the tyres away, by the way. They've all been removed. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, what you yeah. think it's hanker, not not a not a borer, and that's all I really want to need to hear. Yeah. So, with borers, you might you'll probably see definite holes in the plant. Yeah. Uh, there was but, none of that. Yeah. So you're just seeing that cracking bark, and and that's uh, usually mm-hmm. a canker. Then the the fungal uh, disease has got in there and is doing damage. Okay. Thank you so much for not that. Not a problem. Okay. Thank thanks you. for that, Susan. Bye bye. Bye bye. Uh, we've got Gary now from a Bolton Point, and he has a ladybird infestation. Gary could be maybe selling them. How can we help you, Gary? Yeah, good night, mate. How you going? Good, good. Mate, ladybeetles, we've got them everywhere. They're unbelievable at the moment. Yeah, look, that, that's not necessarily a bad thing uh, because they're being hashed out. They'll uh, feed on thrips and aphids around the garden. Uh, oh, right. Yeah, so it looks, it's not necessarily a bad thing having ladybeetles around. Yeah, look. They bite too, the buggers. Oh, when, when you're out doing the, some of the, the gardening and that, and you get one on you, and they 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 sort of yeah, a lot of mozzies, I suppose. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, but we had them um, had a whole heap of them in in our old caravan, um, making a nest in the caravan here at one stage. Yeah, I've always wondered where they actually nest and grow. Uh, so yeah, very very interesting. Yeah, when the wife's watering the, the we've got some. Uh, I think they call them majestic palm out the front, and that yep. they must be making nests in those when when she waters those. So they all come climbing out of the out of the palms and that. So I was just wondering if they're uh, if they're going to uh, damage the, the the palms or anything. Oh look, no, I, I wouldn't think so. I, I'd mate, I'd be happy that you've actually got them um, yeah. in the in the garden. Yeah, they are. Um, yeah, they are a good thing to have around. Okay, okay. fantastic. Thanks, mate. Okay, you have a nice afternoon. Yeah, you too. Okay, thanks, Gary. Bye-bye. Uh, we've got Bob now from Ellie Barna, and he's got a Bangalore palm, and he wants to know if it'll grow back after cutting it. Hey, Bob, what's what's happened? How much have you cut down the palm? Well, we've got... I, I really want to get it out at Rivet, but I can't because we've got stagons on it that are well-established, and I, I can't cut it out. What I've got to do is cut the top off, and then I'm going to put sage, like other areas I've done before, I'm going to put shade cloth over it to, to protect the plants that are underneath the palm. So I'm only going to lop about, oh, it's about five metres high. I'm going to leave it about a metre and a half tall. And if I lop all that off, will the, will the thing grow again or have I got to poison it? Yeah, look, so palms, if you know how you get that, that uh, spear going up through the middle of the palm and you see the new leaves yep. sort of coming up and, yep. and rolling out? If you cut that off, uh, the palm will then die. Okay, so I've done that. Where I've cut, I've already cut that spear off. It's, I'd reckon it's at least a metre and a half below that spear that I'm going to cut it off from. So you don't, don't, doesn't need poisoning by the sound of it? No, no, the, whole, the stump will just die itself. Right. Yeah. I just, I'm reluctant to put poison around. I don't, I'm not a fan of poisoning anything. Yeah. Yeah, no, look, once you cut a palm like that, uh, you can even just cut out that main top spear and you'll find over time it'll die out. But if you're certainly lopping it off, there's no way it'll come back. Yep, no, I've got to do it because, I, 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 as I said, the stagons are well established around the trunk and I want to keep them. They're beautiful stagons, you know. Yeah, so what's going to happen, though? Are they going to be in a little bit more sun, though, once uh, once you've cut no, that off? No, I'm putting a shade cloth sail over the top. I've oh, okay. already got points up. I've done it in other parts of my garden. It seems to work quite well. Oh, very good. Sounds, sounds very nice. Okay, appreciate your help. Okay, good on you, Bob. Thank you for the call.
Thanks, mate. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. It's Guarding Talk back on 2 in your FM. If you've got a question for Scott Sharp, 49216216. And we've got Manny from Abadal Bay. And he wants to prune orange and mandarin trees. Yes, uh, I got a another German mandarin. They're not very old, but about two metres high. And uh, they got little uh, leaves, not leaves, it's scrub underneath. Can I trim it from underneath? Yeah, you, you certainly can, Manny. How high did you say they were again? I just couldn't... One of them about two metres, oh, two. and the other one was about a metre and a half. Okay, so they're sort of getting up there a little bit now. Look, yeah, you can yeah. certainly prune them. Uh, you can also prune them over the top if you want to give them a light cutback. Uh, look, look, I always say with, uh, you know, orange and mandarin trees, you probably only want to let them get to a couple of metres tall anyway, you know, two, two and a half yeah. metres, and then cut them uh, into a, you know, into a nice shape, and uh, you get plenty of fruit off that. Because with a, a, a citrus tree, if you keep on letting it grow bigger and bigger, the fruit only goes on the new growth. So eventually, you know, like with the lemon tree, you can have a lemon tree three or four metres high, Fruit's right up the top. You need a ladder or, you know, you have to be able to climb yeah, up there yourself yeah. and get it. Or otherwise, it just drops down onto the ground. It starts to rot. You get fruit fly around and then you've got all sorts of problems in your garden. So, uh, look, keeping your citrus only about two, two and a half metres where you can reach the fruit uh, is a good idea. Okay. Thank you very much. Uh, okay. Sure. That's all right. Okay. You have a nice afternoon, man. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 It's Gardening Talk back on 2 and you are FM. We've got time for a couple more callers. We've got Maxine from Singleton, and she's got fungus on her mango tree. Maxine, that doesn't sound too good. How can we help you? <laughs> um, I heard at the weekend you said something very quickly about a spray that you can use for the fungus. Ah, uh, yes, yeah. That was on Friday morning. I was talking to Todd about that. I was speaking very quickly as well. That's probably why you missed it. Yeah, uh, I just wonder what the name of the spray is. Yeah, so uh, mango trees do get uh, a fungal disease and it's called anthracnose. And what happens is it starts out about this time of year in the actual flower of the plant. And then as the flower you know, matures and turns into fruit, it continues spreading down into that and uh, completely wrecks up your fruit. It can actually get into the, the leaves of the tree as well. So you need a copper spray. Uh, it's called copper oxychloride, uh, and it's a powder. You just mix it up uh, with some water, and then you spray it all over the plant, especially over those uh, flowers that you've got on, on there at the moment. Yep. And that just keeps that uh, anthracnose under control for you. Right. As far as I know, I haven't got it yet. It's just I'm wondering and find out the name of what you're talking about. Yeah, no, that's a great idea. Now, uh, let me ask you, has that mango tree got flowers on it yet? Or? Absolutely covered. Oh, great, okay. And how, how are you going for... branches absolutely covered. And you wouldn't be doing too well for water up there, though, at the moment, would you? No, and how often have you got to water them? Well, how big's the plant? Is it fairly mature? Oh, it's only about six foot tall. Okay, so it's not it's not too big. Uh, look, I, I'd you know I'd be saying water it quite often, but that's probably not what you want to hear up there at the moment when it's uh, you know, sort of precious few. Uh, Watering about every two days, I've been giving them a, a bit of a soak around the base. Yeah, and look, that, that's probably enough for it at this point in time, uh, especially when it's flowering. Uh, when it starts to fruit, you want to keep that up as well because you want to have nice juicy mangoes. Oh yes. Yeah. It's the first time I've ever tried mango tree. <laughs> well, good luck with it. If you get a frost up there, though, in winter, it probably won't be too uh, happy. But uh, once it oh, matures... I did it, it last year. Yeah. Once they I mature, know. though, that they're okay. They sort of just spring back and, and off yeah, they go again. Yeah, thank goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, look, uh, good luck with it. Um, get some of that copper oxychloride. Uh, make sure you're watering it as much as you can. I know it's not that easy. And uh, yeah, enjoy the mangoes uh, when they come on this year. Yeah, 
Yep, I wrote that all down, so I will do it. Okay, good on you. Just call back if you need any more help about it. I will. Okay. Thank you very much. Thanks, Maxine. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye. Cheers, Maxine. We've got Carol from Brangston, and she's got claret ash mites under bark. Uh, well, Greg and I know about other sorts of claret, but uh, we'll, we'll have a go at claret ash for you, Carol. How can we help? <laughs> yeah, the bark seems to be splitting on the trees, and uh, under that bark there seems to be a small mite that has a little bit of a web in it. But the trees are probably about eight metres tall. Ooh, okay. So, so I'm yeah. having trouble if I spray an insect. I don't like insecticides, but if I spray an insecticide, of course, I can't reach the top of the tree. Yeah, look, I, I think it's, it's going to be next to useless doing the spraying as such. Uh, look, unfortunately, when bark starts cracking on a tree, it, it usually means that the plant is stressed for some reason. And I'm guessing at the moment that's because of lack of water and rain out there. Uh, so the plants do become susceptible to, uh, you know, insect incursions at, at you know, at those times right. when they're under stress. Yeah. Yeah. My recommendation to you would be to, you know, mulch around the plant and do some deep soaking watering uh, in there. Uh, also give it some food as well, uh, right. just to try and keep it healthy. But the watering really is the most important thing at this time, especially with a plant that's eight metres tall. Uh, I, I don't know how much water you've got to spare, but, uh, you know, well, you just... We can use tank water at the moment. It also seems to be spreading to some of the other trees. We have a jacaranda and a couple of other trees. So it's the same sort of thing. You're just thinking it's stressed from the dry. It is, and look, that's entirely possible. Just when you start getting uh, cracking in bark uh, on the trees, obviously that's the the point where the the insects get in and start to to go for it. Mm, mm. No, that's fair enough. It was just a bit of a concern, as I said, when it's started to spread through all the trees and uh, I was wondering if it was the dry or but I've heard also ladybugs and ants and things like that might help eat the mites. Yeah look certain ladybugs can come in there and eat the uh, mites and aphids and thrips uh, so they are quite good for that Uh, but look my first port of call here uh, would be making sure the plant's well watered at at this point in time again as much as you can. Oh lovely thank you for your advice much appreciated okay thank you for that carol have a nice afternoon thank you. bye-bye bye-bye it's guarding talk back on to when you are fm we're nearly out of time for another week scott but we've mentioned about the bonsai society's got something on this week yes they've got their annual show on uh next weekend jude's got written here friday afternoon uh saturday all day and sunday all day as well and that's going to be at charlestown bowling club as I walked in the studio, I actually noticed up on your website here at 2NURFM. Yes. Aha. So I've confused him there. So the Bonsai Society annual show uh, next weekend, Friday afternoon, Saturday all day and Sunday all day at uh, Charlestown Bowling Club. Excellent. Yeah, some really great plans to go and see there. Uh, the people who do their bonsais, they are, I was going to say, fanatical about them, but uh, in a way you have to be because you have to look after them for so long and uh, you know be very tender with them because it's a, a sort of a little you know a little tree in a little pot so you have to be very careful about them but they take a great deal of care and create some beautiful plant sculptures with those bonsai so if uh, you want to see some a fantastic bonsai go along to charlestown bolo quick question yes about bonsais you may or may not know can you bonsai any plant yes you can bonsai any plant some are more successful than others though okay yeah 
say, maybe not a gum tree? No, because well, they just get too big and so they don't really have a shape or a form in the plant. So people like using conifers because they still look like a little miniature plant. Yep. Olive trees are also very good because you can prune them very hard. So you get a nice thick woody trunk. And uh, but you still get a, a sort of a nice form to the tree. So a gum tree it just wants to get too big and, and grows too quickly. You can't prune it very well. I was being facetious then. That's all right. I'm just I'm giving a nice <laughs> being polite. I am being polite. Scott Sharp, thank you very much. We'll speak to you again next week. Okay, see you next week. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Two NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business, and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.